But for today, can I invite you now, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to the passage that we're going to look at. We're going to look at Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, reading from verse 1 to verse 7. Isaiah, chapter 9, reading from verse 1 to verse 7. Verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he, made, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Verse 3. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trembling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this day forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. But just before we go into the time of the ministry of the word, as many of you would know by now, Pastor Aaron will be leaving all things at the end of the year. And so this effectively will be his last sermon with us. And so before he shared the word, we just want to just uh, take this opportunity to just pray for him, uh, for his future endeavor. And also maybe uh, during part of his sermon or maybe before or after his sermon, he may want to just share a little bit and to give thanks to God for what he has done. So for now, can we just lay our hands as we just pray for Pastor Aaron as he continues on in his future. So Father, we just want to thank you for Aaron. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought him here in our midst. Thank you, Lord, for the contribution that he has made in the youth ministry. And now even, Father, as he prepares to move into the new direction, in the new season that you have called him to, Father, we ask of you that you give him the clear direction, that even as he takes this time of, uh, of rest to recuperate, Father, you will reveal to him your direction, the path that you have set before him. May he continue to be of use to bring glory to your name. Use his mouth, use his hands, use his feet. That whatever he does, Lord, it is all for the purpose of bringing the gospel. So, Father, we thank you as we commit him now. As he shares your word, you will guide him, protect him, and keep him safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Church, and uh, thank you, Reverend Darren, for, uh, for that word. Uh, indeed, it's a very bittersweet uh, moment to be standing up here 
basically sort of giving my, my last words to you guys as a church. And before I begin my, my message, I would just like to say that it's been an honor and a privilege and a real joy, especially being able to serve, particularly with the school ministry of Anglican High and uh, with 516 Youth Ministries. You guys have been uh, an absolute bomb. All right, give yourself a round of applause. Okay, all right. <coughs> Yeah, and uh, I, I will clearly look back on, on this season with uh, a lot of fondness and a, a lot of fond memories and uh, a lot of joy that has been had. All right, so once again, welcome to uh, today's service and I am very honored to be bringing today's word. Crazy to think that we are now in December. It is the end of the year. How many of you think that this year has just flown by really, really fast? Right, it was just like, what on earth? It was like, I think, I think... I think just recent, just, it just feels like yesterday that, you know, we were just happily allowed to go out in groups of eight and, you know, and, and things like that. And, and I don't know about you, but we, when we were at the end of last year, when we were at the end of 2020, I ended 2020 hopeful. Uh, I was very hopeful that things would begin to get better. At the end of 2020, restrictions were beginning to loosen. The, day, the daily COVID cases were very low. Uh, we were meeting in church for already a couple of months. And uh, even then, we were allowed to have congregational singing. And it was beginning to look hopeful, right? It was beginning to look good. Yet we all know what turned out to be the case. The economy has continued to suffer. Every day, the news seems to report on how things are just continuing to get worse. And there's the culture wars, how the world is all divided about various issues. And in Singapore here, we went through this year, we went through like three semi-lockdowns. Now, on a personal level, some of us may have experienced loss. Some of us may have experienced struggles in our own relationships, finances, or many of us may be struggling with our own thoughts and emotions as we look around and the world continues to look bleak. Now, a long time, about a year ago, just, just before Circuit Breaker, I spoke about a similar topic to the youths. And as writing this, I was jokingly thinking to myself, it would not be a Pastor Aaron sermon without a comic book reference. Because I, was, I, was, I, I spoke about this topic and I remembered a line from this movie, Avengers Endgame, right? Where one of the superheroes, Hawkeye, right, the guy with the bow and arrow, he loses his entire family, right, in the snap, those of you who've watched the movie, right? And he goes from being a morally upright hero, right, with a strong set of values and a strong, uh, strong set of, a strong code of conduct, and beliefs, and he becomes a vengeful, cynical, heartless assassin. And there's a part in the movie where his, his best friend Natasha comes to him with the possibility of bringing his family back. And when I think of, of this topic, I think of this line that he says in this, move, in, in, this, in this particular scene where he says this, don't do that, don't give me hope. Now, some of us at the end of this year may be resonating with this feeling. 
in dark times, we begin to ask ourselves, why should we have hope? Why should we allow ourselves at any time to think that a better day is ever going to come? Why should we continue to believe for that there is a promised future that God has for us if all we have experienced over and over again is heartbreak and disappointment? Now, through much of the Old Testament, particularly in the age of the prophets, this would have been a common sentiment for generations of Jews. Now, if you look through the Old Testament, you will see that after King Solomon died, the nation was divided into two kingdoms. Now, you look through the whole book of First and Second Kings, and it's a lot, and I'm just kind of flying through everything. Both of which ended up going through a series of kings, and the majority of whom were ungodly and brought judgment upon the nation. They would have a good one once in a while, but the majority of them were not very good. And through these times, God raised up the prophets, such as Isaiah, and they spoke to the nation to call them to repentance and to warn them of coming difficulties. And this one that we, are, that we looked at, particularly Isaiah 8, it's one that we, we, we love to read out, <clears throat> or Isaiah 9, it's one that we love to read during Christmas. But in Isaiah chapter 8, he warns of a coming invasion from the Assyrians, which will bring about a time of gloom and anguish. And this is later fulfilled in 2 Kings chapter 15, when Assyria invades and the Jews later are exiled. And that's just one incident, because for generations after, the situation proves to be largely more of the same. As the Jews go from being ruled by the Assyrians to the Babylonians and then the Persians, things look up a bit when they return from exile and rebuild the temple. But then later on come the Greeks. And there's a short time of uh, independence under the, in, during the time of the Maccabees. This happens between the Old and New Testament. It's what the Jews celebrate uh, on the Feast of Hanukkah, if anyone wants to look it up. And then just... And then right after that comes the Roman occupation, right? And that's what hap what's going on at the time when Christ, uh, during the life of Jesus. And generations of conflict and invasion, only knowing a life of in exile and never experience, experiencing the glory of what their nation was called to be in its fullness, would leave the people with little to hope for. However, the words of the prophets were not only those of gloom and doom. As after Isaiah 8, Isaiah 9 tells of a better day coming, where the darkness will pass and justice will be served. In it, we see promises that God wants his people to remember so that his people do not succumb to being cynical and calloused and begin to believe the lie that God has forsaken them and no longer cares for them. And I look at this and I, I am convinced that we too should remember to hold on to God's promises, to give us hope in the midst of, of trials, and to keep our eyes fixed on Him while everything around us seems to be going wrong. Now, in the midst of, of all of this, I've come up with three, three principles, three things to, to remember as we celebrate Christmas through another year of the pandemic. 
So the first one is this, to hope beyond the present. Right, to hope beyond the present. Now, throughout Isaiah and many other prophetic writings, there is a common pattern of warnings of coming judgment followed by promises of either restoration or, or coming of the Messiah. All right, and once again, I'll read this. At the start of chapter 9, Isaiah says, But there will be no gloom, and no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And it says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in, the, in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And we see here a promise for a time where there will, be no, there will no longer be gloom for her who was in anguish. And we also see a clear distinction between what is called the former time, which is a time of judgment and a time of suffering, and the latter time, a time of blessing. And so while there was bad news to be delivered, God does not want the Israelites to be stuck there and give up hope. He tells them that their present sufferings are part of a larger picture for them to receive the coming Savior and to remind them to believe in God's promise that He will save His people. Now, I don't know about you, but in my 32 year, 31 years of living, coming to soon to 32, I realize and I see that very often, especially those of you who are even older than me have experienced this, they would probably know, that very often when we experience moments of anguish, we get stuck in the moment. And we can often end up becoming short-sighted and fall into a state of self-pity, disillusionment, and jadedness. And in our fallen human nature, we forget that God sees the end from the beginning and works all things for our good and His glory. As Paul writes in Romans 8.28, for we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So even as we look at this, even as we are caught in the difficulties of life, remember that the sufferings of today will one day be looked upon as the former days, and that God will one day bring about the latter days. Now to be real, that means whether it is in this life or the life to come. So remember this. When we feel like we are losing hope, learn to hope beyond the present moment. The second, the second, hope, the second thing to hope in is this, to hope in God's justice. Now, justice is a very hotly spoken about theme in, thing in uh, a, lot of, a lot of culture today, whether it's you know, in regards to racial or class issues, right? But this is nothing new if we look through the Bible, right? It's something that God talks about so much. 
And another repeated theme, th uh, theme throughout Isaiah's prophecies was that in the time to come, God would execute justice on those who oppress God's people and that he would restore their joy. Now in verses 4 and 5, he says, once again I'll read, For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for fire. Now there's another thing that stuck out to me as I was looking you know, here there through the book of Isaiah, which is Isaiah chapter 61, verse 8. He says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. You see, God speaks to, through Isaiah to tell Israel that while they are suffering, he has not forgotten them. That he is not blind to the oppression that they have experienced. And in his time, will make everything right. He wants to assure his people that he's not sitting on the throne watching from far in indifference as his people suffer. And once again, like I mentioned, in our human fallen nature, we can succumb to the idea that when we are experiencing trials, that when we are experiencing suffering, it is a, it is a sign that God is indifferent to our plight. That he stands at a distance and watches with arms crossed as we witness all the injustices happening in the world through our screens to the point that we can become numb to all the bad news. That he is unable to relate to our suffering in our moments of anxiety, in our hurts and through, our, through the sleepless nights. Yet we know that this is not true. The amazing thing about the incarnation of Christ, the, the, the doctrine of Christ coming to earth in human form, is that God came down in human form to live among us and to have the complete human experience, even to the point of at his crucifixion crying out, my God, why have you forsaken me? And knowing that God understands our pain, knowing that he can identify with it and that because of that has a sense of necessity to one day make things right. We can hold on to that idea. The test then is our choice to place our trust in him while it is ongoing to know and believe that the day will come that he will wipe every tear and our joy will be full because our God is a God of justice will one day establish his kingdom, his rule and reign over all the earth. Which brings me to the last point, right? Hope, so first one was hoping beyond the present moment, hoping in God's justice. And the last one, hoping in God's kingdom. Now verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah chapter 9 is the one that we love to quote during Christmas, right? Even there's, there's even uh, carols, right, where, where, these, where this is quoted. And it says, For unto us, for to us a child is born, to us a son, of, son is given, 
and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, I think that for many of us, if we are to be asked what it is that we celebrate during the Christmas season, most of us would, would give the good you know, Christian answer and say that we celebrate the fact that God sent his son to be born and live among us so that after he did his three years of ministry and teaching and lived a perfect sinner's life, he would give his life as a sacrifice to take our punishment and then rise again to defeat death and offer salvation to everyone who believes. Simple enough. Now, that is not wrong, but it forgets the bigger picture of Christ's mission in coming to earth, which ultimately was to establish the kingdom of God on earth. We see here that Isaiah's emphasis <coughs> that this child will rule and reign in a kingdom <coughs> that will surpass all other kingdoms and he will have a never-ending never uh, expanding kingdom of peace. Now, when John the Baptist, when John the Baptist started preaching before Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist being the forerunner to Christ, he declared this, right? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when Jesus was going to ascend back to the Father, right, after his resurrection, what did the Jews ask him? Right, they asked him this, if he was, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now for us, we, you know, we live in a modern democracy, most of us know very, very little about living in under, under a monarchy, right, under a king, right? But for the Jews, especially the Jews of that day, their entire hope was that one day Messiah would come and restore Israel to the glory that it had, that it once had under King David. Now, while it was not what most of them and especially what the religious leaders were expecting, Jesus' presence on earth was the beginning of the expansion of God's kingdom on earth. And all of us as believers today are citizens of that kingdom. Now this should give us the greatest hope. Because left and right, every day when we switch on the TV and scroll through our social media feeds, we are seeing the kingdoms, quote-unquote, kingdoms of this world fall. Economies crashing, wars, rumors of wars, conflict, cultural divides, political turmoil, and worries about a lack of resources. And if our, our hope was only to be found, in the things of this world, then there would be very little to be had. But because our hope is not in the kingdoms of this world, we can have peace in the midst of all the chaos. I remember once attending a retreat uh, with my previous church, and we were in Indonesia. And 
this pastor he from Indonesia he came to speak to us and he used this analogy right um, and it's kind of stuck with me ever since right to illustrate this idea of the kingdom of God in the midst of a sinful and chaotic world where he says the US embassy in Indonesia functions as an extension of US soil but in the state of Indonesia right while it is situated in the host country it sort of functions almost like its own nation, unaffected by the affairs of its host country. Now, that's a bit of an oversimplification, but I think you get the idea. In the same way, we have to remember that all the cares of this world will pass because ultimately our citizenship is in God's kingdom. This is why Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, that we are to live as sojourners and pilgrims because while we live in today's world, we know that at the first Christmas, on the day that Jesus was born, the kingdom of God had begun its rule and reign on earth and ever since has begun expanding and has kept expanding. And you and I, our citizenship is in that kingdom. Our citizenship is in the king, is in the kingdom that will be one of peace, that will that will last through eternity. And that one day our king will fully establish his rule and reign, rule and reign, and we will live in it for all eternity. And no matter what, no matter what the world, uh, no matter what goes on in the world we have a hope that surpasses everything that goes on. Just want to invite the worship team to come back on. And I, I love, uh, I love the, the, the song, Cornerstone. I mean, the, the verses are originally a hymn, right? Where it says the words, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So church, even as we, at the fourth of this series on the different candles, even as we talk about this hope, I don't know what each and every one of you are going through in your own lives, but we know what, what is going on in the world and everything, and it's very easy to be caught up in it. And, have things look bleak. But I hope that this message is a reminder, even as we celebrate Christmas, that Christ our hope, Christ is our hope. For the kingdom that will, that will never end, that will always be at peace. And that in Christ, we have hope through everything. And that in him we will place all our faith and hope for the rest of our lives and to eternity. Church, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that reminds us that, that we are to put our hope in you. That we are to put our hope in in the kingdom that will never end. 
And that when everything looks bleak, when everything looks difficult, Lord, that we not get caught in the moment and we not live by sight. But we hold on to, we hold on in faith to your promise and to your word. That says that you, that you are doing something, that you will restore and that you will bless. And that in the midst of everything, we will hold on and have hope for the day that it all comes to pass. And even as we celebrate your birth on earth, as it was a fulfillment of something you promised centuries prior, may that be a reminder that you are a God who always fulfills your promises, that we can trust you There will be there will be rooted in the knowledge that you truly do love us, that you truly will work everything out for our good and your glory. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.